All right, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and ah, oh, fuck it, man. Y'all know what it is, man. It's the Footy Misfits. We back at it again, episode thirty-two. I'm LV Paper Fronto. Matt Darty's a name. I'm with, I'm with Ronnie. <laughs> why? Why is that disappointed? Why is that disappointed? Ronnie, please don't ask me. We'll get we'll get to that in a second. I gotta get through this goddamn intro. <clears throat> Hey man, if you're gonna get through the intro, do it with pride and respect, like you always do, Paper Fonto. All right, my fault, my fault, my fault, my fault. Let me not diss the pod. Let me not disrespect the pod. <laughs> so we are the Footy Misfits, episode thirty. Deuce. I am LV, aka Paper Fronto, aka My Rainey's Black Bottom, aka Fuck Matt Doherty, and I'm sitting here with my good brother, as y'all just heard, Ronnie. Ronnie, say what's good. Dímelo, mi gente. How are we doing? Um, stay strong, be brave. We gonna need it. We're doing terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and and luckily for us today, we're sitting with the good brother Spence at the data desk here to tell us a bunch of facts. I hope none of them are about the Spurs game today, but most likely we might have some. Spence, hey, what's good? What's going on? Peace and love. Peace and love. Not for Matt Doherty, but it's all good. And y'all know... <laughs> Come on, Ronnie. Come on, Ronnie. <laughs> uh, and as we did last time, NLD weekend, we had to bring him back. And I'm already feeling like this is a terrible idea. But here we are. We got the gentrified gooner, the one and the only Arsenal correspondent. Gully, say what's good for the one time. How y'all doing? I'm uh, glad to be back. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that for having me back on the pod. <laughs> right, Ronnie, you hear the voice. You, you you remember the last time voice? he was on and he wasn't happy to be here because the results went the other way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things change quick, man. Things change real quick. I don't know if you could, you know, there's no uh, visuals to a podcast, but I'm smiling ear to ear, boys. <laughs> I, can, I can hear it. I can hear, I can hear the teeth. <laughs> God, God damn it. We'll, well get I into mean, his excitement in a little bit. Um, I know LV doesn't want to, but we're going to do that. But before that, games of the week. Let's jump right into it. I'm going to get this over with. My favorite game of the week was Monday. Um, I don't know if y'all caught this, Inter Milan against Atalanta. No, sir. I must have missed it. Yeah, it was on Monday afternoon. Saw that in the office. It was Atal- It looked like Atalanta all first half, even though it resulted in nothing. But then... Milan Skriniar scored in the second half, which proved to be the long goal of the game. Chances for both sides, but at the end of the day, one nothing was enough for Inter. And they ended up winning their next match against Torino over the weekend that this just passed. So, yeah, Inter Milan, Atalanta, my favorite. LV, what about you? You know, for a second, I was shocked that you didn't pick this game that I'm about to pick for uh, game, of the, game of the week. But on second thought, it makes, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Ron, it's cool, fam. You know, I'm suffering today, so, you know, you got to suffer with me. It's only fair as, as my co-host. I didn't agree to that. Uh, but all right. <laughs> hey, I, saw, I saw the contract for you, fam. That's fraud. Day after your favorite game of the week, uh, Tuesday, Champions League footy. You love to see it. I would say probably the only good hmm. or really entertaining Champions League game of the week. I think we all know where we're going with this. But Juventus versus Porto. Now, the game itself ended in a Juventus win. However, because of away goals and all this good stuff, Porto move on and Juve crash out of the Champions League yet again. It is a sad sight to see. Uh, I mean, we, Ronnie, we were hoping for a game or a tie to go into extra time. I think we predicted the Atalanta um, tie with Real Madrid to go in extra time just because the way the teams were sort of matched up. That still could happen. But uh, Juve and Porto were like, you know what, let's let's give this to y'all because y'all deserve it. Um, but game went 120 minutes of football. Everybody was tired. It was everything. Uh, cynical tackles, nasty fouls, a lot of flopping going on, a lot of tumbling and rolling. I can't for as great of a goal scorer as Ronaldo is, he isn't. He be flopping like it's the WWF fan. <laughs> he got stone cold stuttered the way he flips. But yeah, game finished three two, five goal thriller, and it started with. A goal from, or two goals actually, from Ronnie's man of the season, obviously aside from Ronaldo, Federico Chiesa. He 
single-handedly, in my opinion, brought Juventus back into the tie. He brought the energy that you that you expect in a second leg, especially when you're down. Scored a quick brace, I think within maybe 15 minutes of each other in the second half. And that took the game into extra time due to the goals. However, Porto had some things for that there, courtesy of probably a, one of the wildest free kicks I've seen in a while. Late on in the match, 115th minute. From Sergio Oliveira. I, mean, ugh, I fucked that up, but it's cool. <laughs> Ronnie, real quick, before I go on, what did you think about what did you think about that free kick? I know we spoke about it, but I just I'd love to get your thoughts on Wax. That that was that was the reaction. Beautiful. Um, I think the thing about it was the way the wall itself collapsed in that far free kick, a low driven one to the corner. Shesley was like. Chesney was yelling at his at his wall or his players. Cristiano Ronaldo was like, "Come on, y'all!" Um, Ronaldo, <laughs> why is he in the wall if he's gonna turn his back to it? He's been on the opposite side of them shits before. He should know what the other side is like. So for him to turn his back, some people say it's like he turned his back on the tin. I'm not gonna go as far as to say that. I will say he was trash on Tuesday, but not as far as to say Juventus don't. Need him or whatever the fuck people are saying that this season's fuck up the role his fault. I'm not gonna say that. I was just saying he was trash on the second leg. You also had Alvaro Morata who was jumping away from the attack, and then on the other side of Ronaldo, I think it was um might have been Rabia. I don't remember, but I I couldn't care less. We all see walls with a man on the ground. Why was there no one on the ground? Exactly. Exactly. Great question. Like, literally everyone around the world does this now. Why did Juve forget? But, yeah, that, that wall was, um, if, I don't know, man. It's definitely a wall Donald Trump would not be into. Um, <laughs> some shit, that shit caved in like a motherfucker. But it took away from Chiesa being the bright spot, man. And that's what's disappointing out of all this. Chiesa had a hat trick over two legs. And here yeah, we are talking about an balling. unstable ass wall. He, he was absolutely balling, and, and when we when he began to make the comeback uh, after uh, Porto received the red card, like it looked like the walls were coming down, and you know, just having Cristiano Ronaldo on that team, sort of, in my opinion, just gave that extra boost of confidence that Juve was going to make the comeback, and if if they didn't, at the very least, it was going to penalties, and I just felt that Juve was going to win the game, but. Man, there, Pepe was back there. Uh, he was annoyingly good. I thought he got a concussion like early on in the game, a little head-to-head, uh, jumping for a header, and he kind of stepped out for a second, came back, and that just knocked his head into place. He played from that point on. He was incredible. And it, it highlighted at the end of the match with a bicycle kick clearance. I'm like, come on, this guy's 40 years old. And he came to play amongst others, uh, the Porto goalkeeper, whose name I, I can't remember at the moment, Agustin Machesini, Argentine goalkeeper. He's, he led in three, but the ones he stopped were great. Absolutely. And Juve, credit to them, even though Porto scored that crucial away goal super late, 115th minute, um, Juve came back and scored one, but they needed one more, and it was too little too late. Uh, I won't spend too much time on it after that, but Juventus three, Porto two, Porto moves on to the – the uh, quarterfinals, and that was all she wrote. Incredible game, though. Incredible game overall. Probably the most entertaining game I've seen all season, and there's been a lot of good matches this season. But that one had everything. And, you know, when there's something on the line, like Champions League, and then it goes into extra time, you see the players tired and just trying to, you know, will them their team to win, and you saw all of that. Unfortunately, Ronnie, it was uh, it was at your um, sacrifice, sorry, but it was what it was. Y'all got things to say, good brothers? I mean, I, I got one thing I want to say, if you guys don't mind, uh, about the uh, Juve game. Uh, you know, today um, I'm on this podcast, All Smoke, and uh, that's what it's all about. And, <laughs> and, and, and for you folks uh, that aren't in the uh, group chats or whatever, Ronnie was talking some good shit about AFC last week in the Conference Cup. Buddy, if I'm there, you're there with me. That's, that's all I want to say about that. We're in the top four in Italy, so um, yeah, um, we'll still have some Champions League, buddy. But 
<laughs> I, honestly, I didn't even notice me saying Arsenal going to the um conference cup until you brought until you pointed it out. And when you did, I'm like, oh shit, I said that. <laughs> Man, it stung. I'll, I'll be real, it stung. Real quick, if I could ask, um, and I, I know we spoke about this off the pop, but does this mean anything for Andrea Pirlo? Yes or no? Let's be honest. No, don't. No, don't, because they're on this rebuilding phase. It's not going to mean shit. And if they get rid of him, who are they going to bring on? He's staying. They need to take Antonio Conte from Inter because he's killing shit. No, I'm just kidding. I think, I, I mean, I agree with you. It seems like it, it was going to be a process. I think that it's, it's going to be a couple tough pills to swallow for Juve to exit the Champions League this early and then at the same time um, maybe potentially not win the league with Inter Milan kind of running away with it at this point. There's still time, of course, but it seems to look that way. So I, I guess it it does seem like a hard pill to swallow, but I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue in his favor, but then again, who am I to talk to? I've, I, I've been arguing against a lot of managers this season, and clearly I don't know what I'm talking about, so I'll say that. But since we're on the topic of Champions League, Ronnie, do we um, – unless you have anything else to say about that. No, I don't. I'll save it for BS of the Week. Let's go on to another game that same day. Borussia Dortmund and Sevilla, 2-2. In the game, five four on aggregate. Sevilla made BVB sweat, but BVB came through. I didn't see this game because I was watching Depression in Turin. But Holland had a good game. Oh, Holland did have a good game. <laughs> yeah, a little, little, uh, little brace, little brace, and a wild celebration at the Sevilla goalkeeper, which stirred the pot a little bit. But Holland was cool, calm, collected. Didn't care. He's well, Holland again. gave the goalkeeper the same energy because the goalkeeper, you know, was taunting him after he saved the penalty before he realized it had to be retaken. And then, you know, yeah. Holland just gave him that same energy, which I respect. Right. And a no- notable stat with uh, with that brace in the second leg, Holland officially, I think, became the youngest player to reach 20 Champions League goals. He became the youngest, yeah, he became the youngest uh, Champions League goal scorer to reach a certain milestone. I forget what it was, but I'm too focused on the loss we had this weekend, but we'll get to that. That was pretty much it for Tuesday. Porto and Borussia Dortmund advanced. Wednesday saw first lead Liverpool and Leipzig, the undercard of the day. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane scoring a pair, seeing the Reds win 4 nothing on aggregate, 2 nothing in the game. They pointed out that Liverpool has more goals at home in the Puskas Arena than they do at Anfield. Two in Puskas Arena, one at Anfield in the calendar year. <laughs> that's crazy. That's uh, nuts. The Liverpool seem to be putting all of their eggs in the Champions League basket, as they should, to be fair, because it's not working out for them in the Premier League. I think it's was it five or six straight home losses, which is unheard of. They can't get it done in the Premier, at least. But in the Champions League, I mean, they had a, a really good first first leg. They were, in my opinion, gifted two goals by Leipzig's defense. They, they kind of gave it to them there. But uh, they held strong in the second leg, and they took care of business. And on to the next round. We'll see, we'll see where, where this takes Liverpool. Well, it depends on the draw they have. It's not like Lazio's going to beat Bayern on aggregate, and <laughs> they'll end up drawing Lazio. The quarterfinal draw is going to be a little bit tough. So may God bless you. PSG Barcelona was the headliner of Wednesday. They were down 4-1 going into this Barcelona on aggregate. Mbappe scoring the pen early, pretty much put it away until Messi. Messi with a screamer to level the game at one. But like five minutes later or so, he missed a penalty. And I don't know if it was Spencer or LV who said that that miss was crucial since that pretty much was where the game ended. 1-1 in the game. 5-2 5-2 on aggregate PSG are going through. Barcelona could not pull off a remontada dos. What do we make of it? In my opinion, it just kind of caps off, I mean, everything that's been going on with Barcelona this past season and a half slash summer transfer window or whatever the case may be, that is all going to shit. Everything looks terrible. Although they, 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 they when they play the younger folks, they do seem to like look okay. They're in a cup final. They're in the uh, uh, Copa del Rey. You know, I love saying that. Uh, the Copa del Rey final. So, I mean... <laughs> That, that's that's something there, but it just speaks to where Barcelona are at, whether it's mentally, whether it's financially, whether it's, you know, drama-wise, whether it's play-wise. They just kind of have been shit. PSG were supposed to win this tie, 
and clearly did. Like, I think the first leg was all you needed to see. When I saw Messi's goal, I said, oh, look, ooh, look at that. Ain't that so nice? Aside from, you know, missed the penalty shortly after that. And PSG, all they needed to do was just kind of hold strong. And they did what they were supposed to do. Barcelona, man, they got some questions they need answering. Obviously, we know what the big one is. And um, I read the other day that PSG apparently have lined up the funds already for Messi. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be an interesting summer. That's all I got to say about Barcelona. They, they, there's nothing for me to look forward to for, for them except for what's about to happen this summer. It's about to get interesting. Spencer at the data desk with some facts. Uh, Erling Haaland, youngest to 20 Champions League goals. Look at that. Quite the record for the man. But moving along, Ronnie. 20 goals and 14 appearances. Europa League. The game that I saw, and I think we all saw, was Milan and Manchester United. Yeah, quite the match. That, that could have been one of the games of the week for me as well. Due to just how it how it came up came about, AC Milan was at Man United's neck, and you can see that by how tired they were today versus Napoli. Um, what was it? Two or three disallowed goals in the first thirty minutes, or something, something like that. It, not even. Um, it was like two goals in like the first ten. Disallowed. Oh man! And the second one was an absolute screamer, and uh, or the second disallowed goal. Well, at first, at first glance, I mean, first of all, it was an absolute screamer of a volley. But it was called back due to a handball, and at first I was like, "Nah, no way." Uh, it looked it looked to me that to be a, a clean a clean you know a sort of a clean strike. It looked like it hit his thigh, but on the replay, he tapped that shit with his hands. <laughs> he, he set that shit up. <laughs> that shit was street ball, fam. It was hilarious. But uh, overall, uh, United drew blood first after all of AC Milan's attack, attack, attack. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, Ovi. We got to cut you off because we got to slander Harry Maguire. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I forget. Go ahead. I was going to slander Harry goal. Maguire for missing a fucking sitter. I believe the term you use for him is glad bag. Yeah, the big 80 million pound trash bag. Let's go. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we cannot. We, could, we couldn't uh, just scrub on past that. How do you miss a sitter? I think that was worse than when um, Raheem Sterling missed that against Leon. Um, literally, you're centimeters away. And you just sent that to <laughs> yeah. God knows where. It's like that video I think you sent me of the kid in the Belgian league who just missed a sitter that was right there. Yeah, you man. It was put long away. And the saddest part about it was the fact that the uh, the cross came in and the corner came in, and Bruno Fernandez did a backwards header to set up Harry Maguire. Whether or not he meant to do it, backwards header, beautiful. Got put the keeper out of the play, the defender out of the play. Harry Maguire was like, "Yo, you know, it'd be really crazy." <laughs> If I just didn't score this, if I just missed it, and that's exactly what happened, it was unbelievable. Ronnie Wright, that's my that, that's offensive that I forgot about that. That was disgusting. It was nuts. Gentrified Bruno called him a blockhead fridge. Uh, he said he doesn't move. He is a fr he's a fridge. <laughs> heavy ass. He's one of those old like you know like nineteen nineties early two thousands TVs. The heavy joints <laughs> you talking about. <laughs> All oh. glass, like plastic Samsung Sanyo TVs that caught, like weigh like 116 pounds, like them joints. And the ones that you could easily just slap the back of it, the single went out. Yo, <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. good slap. <laughs> so I want to do that to Harry Maguire after that missile because that shit was horrendous. Terrible. Speaking of backwards headers, uh, at halftime, Ole Gunnar Schoesgarten must have known something that we didn't because he put he put on the young boy from Atalanta, Amad Diallo, um, and... He pulled up and, man, my son didn't waste no time getting right to it. Got a, a really nice ball courtesy of Bruno Fernandez, I believe it was. And much like Fernandez, was like, you know what? Let me just score this backwards. Hit a little backwards, lobbed header. Unbelievable. Um, and it put United up 1-0. And from there, all the hosts, all they needed to do was see it out and avoid uh, conceding that crucial away goal. Um, however, AC Milan had some different plans. They said, yo... We put in all this work, got mad disallowed goals. We got to walk away with something and walk away with something they did, Ronnie. Goal comes yes, at the late late in the game, left it as late as you could, 90 plus two in extra time. Had to go by Simone, and I'm going to say his name wrong because he got a, 
he got a J right after the K, so you know it's an issue. <laughs> you know I'm gonna have a problem with this. Uh, Simon or Simon or Simon Kajar, 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 Kajar. There you go. There you go. Simon Kajar. That's there you go. You 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 got there. You, you got there. I'm confused sometimes. You know, with the two consonants right next to each other, it's like you know. But I'm getting there. Um, so yeah, that's that's what it was. Overall, pretty entertaining game. Uh, shout out to AC Milan for re rescuing a point. The tie is still very much alive for both sides. I'm interested to see what the uh, diet clash of giants has for us uh, in the uh, second leg. Because that shit is Coke. That shit is Coke Zero, fam. That shit is Coke Zero. Gone in the days of Ryan Gates, Rooney, uh, Ronaldo, even versus what Kaka, uh, Ronaldinho's. You know all all them joints. Long gone are the days. Anything can happen. Um, I, I think I picked. Uh, did I pick Man United to go forward? I think I picked Man United to go through. Yes, you did. Still got them. I mean, we'll we'll see if they hold it down. I think I think they still very much can. Uh, I wouldn't say anybody's in the driver's seat. If anything, because uh, Milan had the away goal, it you know yes. could, be, could 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 prove to be very important in the second in the second leg there. But um, yeah. Slavia won, Rangers won. That looks to be an interesting second leg, much like Manchester United and Milan. Real quick, with the uh, the Rangers game, one quick point I want to make. It just seems that they Rangers have that fighting spirit. They went down early, and they didn't give up at all in that game, and they just kept coming at uh, Prague, and eventually they got what they deserved. And Stevie G is giving them that that fighting spirit, man. They just won the Scottish Prem, as you mentioned last week. I mean, anything can happen with those guys. A real dark horse in the tournament, and I'd like to see them, you know, go far, but just not. If far means past birds, uh, never mind. So, um, yeah. With that being said, if depending on the draw, they could see themselves in the semifinal. Depending on the draw, I think it's our time to jump into what happened this weekend. Are you sure? Can we just skip that? Hey, man, we ain't skip my suffering. We're going to jump into yours. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep nah. it. I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> oh, look, you started laughing already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's get hey. on and pop it, everybody. If y'all want to know what we're talking about, obviously, this weekend, for many folks, it might just be a regular fixture, but for uh, Spurs and Arsenal fans across the world, uh, it's that time of the year. And it's it's the game that gets the juices flowing, the nerves, you get the oh, butterflies yeah. in the stomach. Happens every time, no matter where Spurs and Arsenal are on the table. Um, for for the most part, have been relatively close to one another, and there's always been some sort of cost to these games. Always some sort of cost, or some sort of you know, aside from the fact that you get three points and bragging rights. But there's always been something there, and obviously the North London Derby happened. This we're recording today on Sunday, so it happened earlier today, um, and. Hence the reason why we have the gentrified gunner on, just to, which I think was, you know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, full disclosure, full disclosure, um, the gentrified gunner, well, it's, he gives it away. He is an Arsenal fan. Yes, LV yes, yes. is a Spurs fan. So we mm. thought it would be great to have these two brothers, blood brothers, clash heads and talk about this match right here. I don't, um, know why we thought, I don't know why I thought this was going to be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, a good man, idea. But, but I guess I mean I guess let's get right back to it because yeah I mean uh, Gully you were, you were with us uh, last last go round where Spurs gave gave the two nil ass whooping to to Arsenal and so it's only right you know Spurs went at home at Spurs Stadium earlier last late last year and uh, at the Emirates where Spurs can't get a can't get three points to save their life Arsenal came through with the W um, final score two one we'll get into that but. I don't know, first mm -hmm. things first, your, your thoughts. I know you got some shit to talk, but go ahead. Let me let me just hear it. Just get right <laughs> to it. Man, I mean, initial thoughts. It's a beautiful Sunday. Uh, it was uh, uh, it was a nervy game, though. I'll be real with you guys. I mean, uh, or not the entire game, but just after the sending off, uh, it was very uncomfortable. But throughout the entire 90, uh, I mean, it's just it's that kind of fixture, like LV said, um, that get the juices flowing, you know, and the emotions and – yeah, man, that I was a sweat ball for ninety minutes, you know, because um, facts, me, oh, facts, big yeah. facts. Yeah, I mean, just like typically how it goes with us this season, we 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 look good, the performance is good, we just don't finish, and then we get burnt, and you know that's how the game started today. And uh, I, I when 
when we can when we conceded, we can. I'll, I'll let you talk about the goal since that's the only bright spot of the day for you. You know, I won't take that away from you. <laughs> but but the moment we conceded, I only thought the worst. And what's crazy is like, and I'm seeing this now, obviously, because you as, a, as an Arsenal fan watch all the Arsenal games and, and can can speak from the inside out. And it's the same for me on, on, on the Spurs tip. So the way I felt was when I saw the initial, the, the first of all, if we could just start with the team sheets, the team sheets, the, 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 the controversial headline was that Mikel Arteta didn't start Aubameyang for, uh, as he said, uh, what did he say? Um, disciplinary reasons and yeah. <laughs> and he's he's so intense he told the media all was not starting today for disciplinary reasons and everything else is internal that's all i gotta say I, bro he is like the most intense person Gustavo what, what, did, what did you uh what did you take that as like at first, before the game started before the result what did you take that as and how did you feel about it man i i only thought the worst but what made me feel a bit better is that he got dropped to the bench and not taken out of the side all all together yeah it's um, not like when doozy Oh man, I thought the worst. I thought the worst with right. Guendouzi. You know the treatment of Ozil. Arteta is very cutthroat. You know, so uh, I only thought the worst. But to Aubameyang's credit, he's our captain. He brings a lot to this team. So you know, he's gonna have to do something massive. You know, to get exiled. I guess you know what I mean. But I did think the worst. Yeah, I mean, I, at first I thought the worst as well. Uh, well, I mean, besides being sort of happy, I mean, he hasn't been playing the best this season, but he's been picking up a bit of form recently. So I was, I was happy I mean, to not yeah. see him starting. But um, I thought it was something crazy at first. And then I, when I saw him on the bench, I'm like, how crazy could it really be if he's mm-hmm. on the bench? I mean, I don't know. They, they either have a really good understanding or it just wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But, um, yeah, let me get into the uh, – so for me, you mentioned, you know, you thought it was going to go bad when, when uh, you know, you guys weren't finishing those chances you were creating, to be fair, hitting the post in the Spurs final third for most of the game, let yeah. alone the first 20, 25 minutes. So the mm-hmm. way I felt was having watched Spurs this season, despite the run of form that we just went on, when we start out poorly and we don't attack and we we play the defensive footy, obviously we don't have the quality. We spoke with Davidson Sanchez. Don't get me started on on Eric Dyer and who knows it's whatever. <laughs> but we we clearly don't have the quality. Oh man, we clearly don't have the quality to sit back and defend and absorb pressure like we did at the beginning of the season. We had some sort of something was going on working for us. I don't know. Spurs have played the most games of any Premier League team this season. Maybe that's something to do with it. Maybe, in my opinion, it's the quality. I think it's just the quality. And so when we play attacking football as we've been doing lately with Bale back in form, it things look good when on the up and up. But our, but Mourinho decided to give Arsenal all the credit in the world, despite talking mad shit about them at the beginning, before the game, saying we don't look down, we look up. And but he, I mean, his tactics showed that he gave them all the respect in the world by playing them like we played City, like we played Liverpool, and in those games we got destroyed. And this, it was the same thing. So when I saw us come out the gate defending, not being able to sniff the ball, getting dominated in a midfield full of 19 and 20 year olds, I said this game is only going downhill. Um, there was there was a moment of brilliance. I mean, I could call it that. Probably the best goal I've seen in a while. And I've, I've seen, to be fair, some decent Spurs goals. Tangi Ndombele against Sheffield comes to mind. But Eric Lamela, one of, one of the guys who I give credit to, who comes in cutthroat. He's a scumbag. But you know when you have a scumbag and he's your scumbag, it's just the, the good scumbag. Um, he came on and, and he was subbed on because Hyungman's son was injured. And excuse me for going to red hair, but it, it is the North London Derby. You know we got to give it to you. Uh, but Youngman's son goes down with a hamstring. Eric Lamella gets subbed on. I believe he should have started. And goes ahead and scores a Rabona goal. The man refuses to score with his right foot. Was in a prime position to try to tuck it in the far corner with the right foot. Simple finish, but he took it to the next level. Swung his left foot behind his leg and hit a, a curler of a Rabona. And from there, I was like, all right, that's the breakthrough. Despite the fact that we've been getting smoked. Maybe we can we, we, we can pick up on that like we sort of did in the first Northland and Derby Gully. If you remember, y'all was smoking us in that one too for the first 25 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was so nervous. Um, it, it was a carbon copy in a sense. Um, right. And, and, and yeah, man. But uh, I mean, not to go back, but the lineups. Um, what I, like with the Bummy and getting dropped, I was very nervous. But what made me feel so much better is to see uh, Gareth Bale and Matt Doherty playing on the same side. <laughs> Uh, the same side that Kieran Tierney and, and uh, Emil Smith Rowe are going to be, you know, kind of uh, playing in, and um, yeah, it made me feel a lot better. And then our lineup, um, b- you know, besides the omission of Aubameyang, which um, 
could hurt us in certain situations. Then today, I think uh, we we basically fielded our best eleven. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Matt Doherty. That just that just got me hot. Matt yeah. Doherty, who who uh, courtesy of Jorge Mendes, the Portuguese mafioso, finessed us, and we purchased Buddy for fifteen million pounds for only, for him <laughs> for, for him to be a training cone. The guy doesn't defend. He's a right back. To be fair, he said, "Oh, I'm better at wing back." He's been played at wing back numerous times. Still the same thing. Training cone. My son yeah. can't. My son couldn't – y'all saw today, couldn't even do a back pass header to the goalkeeper. He could see mm-hmm. in the corner trying to do a back pass. Yeah, he did, man. He was he was absolutely terrible. But honestly speaking, man, he's a double agent. You know, once a gooner, always a gooner. You there know, you go. Yeah. He, he's, and, and, he's, a, he's a cop, undercover agent. Not to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, the way he was letting uh, Kieran Tierney and Emil Smith roll, and whomever wanted to roll into that, that, that left-hand channel, uh, today you would, you, you would believe he was, you know, playing for us. It was uh, – it was bad. No help from Gareth Bell. I, I seen Jose try to switch it up in the second half and have Holbier help in that space, but that just freed the entire middle of the field. And then, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. As, soon, as, soon, as soon as he had to overload, because at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season, Aria, who's there and to be, last season wasn't playing as, at his best, but since Darty's coming to the side, Aria's kind of proven himself as, a, as the first choice right back. And when he didn't start, but I saw him on the bench, I was confused and I'm like, he better not be fit to play because Mourinho has no excuse to, to not play him and put Doherty in a game like this. But he yeah. did that. And so with that being said, Sissoko, at the beginning of the season when, when we were playing well, Sissoko and Hoybier were in the midfield there with Ndombele playing uh, in front of them. And Sissoko would help cover the right side, although Arya didn't need as much cover because he's athletic, although he does make you know mistakes, to be fair. And so... Fast forward to now, Doherty can't even. He's not athletic enough. He doesn't track. He doesn't defend, as I'm as I'm saying. And we all know Gareth Bale playing at Real Madrid, as a, a Spence once said. He, he doesn't. Why, why track back? He learned from the best. And so he, he he's been doing what he does at uh, attack wise. And you know, you just we knew at the beginning of the season when we got Gareth Bale that he wasn't going to be the guy that was going to be running tracking back. Especially saying is that his excuse was he wasn't match fit and he needed to get back match fit. So. Um, when I saw the team sheet, Matt Doherty starting, I believe that Mikel Arteta is a smart guy, right? I believe he's a smart guy. So I think that he saw the team sheet and said, guys, they started Doherty on, the, on, on their right side. We are only playing from the left side today. And that's exactly what Arsenal did. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be fair, sorry to cut you off, to be fair, uh, you know, I wanted to, t- you know, take a look at that to see where majority of our attack came from. And, and it was pretty even, 42% on, on that side, 40, 40, 40% on the other side, and then the, the difference was in the middle of the field. Right. And to that, to that point, um, Sergio Regano, who's somebody I've been bigging up all season, um, it might have been North London Jitters. He didn't, he didn't have him the first go round, but could have been North London Jitters because he played terribly. In fact, he gave up the uh, he gave up possession with a heavy touch in his own corner there uh, for the for the first email Smith Rose first uh, screamer, which hit the post, fortunately for me. Um, but Regulon didn't have, have himself a game. To be fair, nobody really had himself a game except for two men. In my opinion, uh, it was Eric Lamela who did everything from scoring the only goal to getting a yellow card and then getting sent off. And, uh, <laughs> and then, and then Lucas Mora, Eric Lamella, you know, it's a scumbag in the true sense. He does it all. He'll score for you. He'll talk shit for you. He'll lose, he'll lose the game for you. He'll catch a red card for you. He'll do whatever it takes. Um, so him and Lucas Mora, in my opinion, are the only guys who put up a fight, but like uh, Gully mentioned, the game was one in the midfield, whether it was coming from the left, the right, Thomas Partey uh, was very solid in there, but, uh, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, who's been, who came into Arsenal and told Danny Ceballos, you old fuck, go back to Real Madrid or go somewhere else because this is mine. This is mine now. That's what it seems like. But mm-hmm. the game was one in the midfield. The game was one in the midfield. And Arsenal's uh, defenders came to play. Spurs didn't come to do shit. Um, and I believe it was tactically. And that's, that's where I'm at. But um, with that being said, Gully, any other, any other thoughts from the game there that you have or anything else you want to mention in regards to the game? Because... Yeah, for sure. I mean, to touch on that point um, that you were uh, discussing in regards to, like, the midfield. I mean, but, you know, prior to the game and prior to every game, you know, uh, me and LV will spend some time just, you know, kind of talking about, you know, what we expect from the NLD. And the one talking point we talked about the entire, the entire time we spoke prior to kickoff was about the midfield. I told him point blank, period, the only way that I could see us picking up anything today 
is granted Xhaka had a 10 out of 10 game. And that no matter how well defensively we play or offensively, how well we do, it really would boil down to who's sitting alongside Thomas Partey. And Xhaka did a wonderful job today. Him and Partey bossed the midfield. Um, And the game was, in the truest sense, won in the midfield today. Um, uh, You know, and when I say it like in the midfield, we're talking about Tottenham Hotspur, Harry Kane, 13 assists in the Premier League. So I'm not talking about just their three midfielders. I'm talking about just taking over that zone and sealing Harry right. Kane out from, right. from being involved in the buildup. And we did that to a T today. Harry Absolutely. Kane only touched the ball 33 times. That number shocks me. It, I only saw maybe four or five, and, yeah. and, and three of them were set pieces. 33? 33 touches. <laughs> He had also, the way he was tying his shoes the whole yeah, match. But, but take this, Come take on. this in. He had 33, 33 touches, but none of them were in the penalty box, and I think only 10 of them were in our final third, including the set pieces. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I think I, the final third part is what's more shocking to me. The penalty box, uh, that is what it is. I mean, obviously, you want Kane to get in there and make runs, but Spurs couldn't get on the ball to make four or five passes for him to even consider moving forward and going up to make a pass. Like, it was, it, it was this, 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 aside from the fact that it, the defensive idea was set in, which is, was a bad idea. Um, we didn't even when we wanted to counter or whatever the case may be. We didn't couldn't even put three or four passes together because Arsenal midfield was was hitting on all strides and Kane couldn't even get the ability to drop to drop in the midfield and pick up pick a pass out despite Youngman's son going out for those very reasons. But um, yeah. I think Arsenal did an excellent job of like you said sealing him out of the of the midfield, not allowing him to, to drop in and pick up the ball or pick his head up and pick out a pass. Yeah, he didn't have much time in. On the ball, not to cut you off, but yeah, you know, in the and Gareth Bale's another yeah. one. Gareth Bale's another one that didn't help him. He, 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 like because and it all, it's all, you know, it, it, it's all a uh, 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 some of his parts. Like we mentioned with Liverpool, there's a lot of reasons why they haven't been playing well, and it's not just because of one, two, three people out. Well, it is, but in a sense, it's because this person is out. The team plays in a certain way where they can't do things that they normally would do, or whatever the case may be. Um, and that's how it was for Arsenal because Darty. For Spurs, because Darty is, is so bad, and in my opinion, and because Bale is not one to track back, that with that left side being so open, it it was just a man. Arsenal was Arsenal came and to not ramble on the point, out tactic out coached Spurs, and overall and and played better too. Came to play. There's yeah, really true. Much I can say about that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Arteta got it right today. You know, um, the headlines would have been crazy had we lost or, you know, we didn't convert some of those chances and benching a bummying. But he he absolutely got it right. And uh, to his credit, it had just, you know, instill that confidence in the team to believe in some of the things he's saying. You know, because it's nuts to, to bench your, your captain, you know, your talisman, you know, from the front over disciplinary reasons. And, and what they came out and said eventually was that he had been late on multiple occasions to match days or, or to, to training sessions and things like that. So he took a big gamble, you know, and it paid off for him. Or not in the sense, I mean, it worked out for him, I want to say, not paid off for him. Um, but to our, you know, like we're, we're pretty lucky in the fact that we have two pretty decent strikers, you know, no Aubameyang. We have our top scorer, Alexandre Lacassette, starting today, who loves the North London Derby. I think he's got three or five goals in his, I think it's three goals in his last five, um, or something like that. So it worked out. It worked out. What did you make of uh, the defensive performance? Uh, I, I, well, I would say on both sides, but um, I, I guess I could speak about Spurs. What did you make of Arsenal's defensive uh, performance? Uh, you mentioned no bearing in the in the starting lineup today. Um, yeah, thank God. Thank what God. Did you think? I, lo- I love Hector Bellerin as a person, as a footballer, man. He's uh, that knee injury kind of did him in. He hasn't, you know, his, his he's just not up to the, to par. Cedric is a rotational guy, um, but I'd rather see him any day of the week for the simple fact that going forward, he can put in that ball, you know? Um, and that's just the one thing Hector Bellerin lacks. It's crazy. Like, when he broke into the side, that's what he was known for, you know, his attacking sense and, and being able to bomb forward and, and stuff like that. But it's like, now it looks like whenever he's in the final third, everything he's doing is an accident. Like he stumbles into the box. I'm, I'm like, I would feel so disrespected as a defender or a goalkeeper if you let this guy, you know, get into a shooting position, you know, um, Chelsea. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but all in all, all in all, the lineup was great. No Hector Bellerin. Defensively, I think we were amazing. Um, for the simple fact that um, our center backs uh, weren't ever in a, in a position. You know, to be alarmed, Harry Kane and, and Son for the 20 minutes he played. 
Um, you know, some of your deadly guys never really got a chance to run at our center backs, which is amazing uh, for us because we don't have necessarily an, a lot of pace back there. You got David Luiz's old ass, but he's been kind of doing his thing. Um, Gabriel, my hero, um, uh, was, was uh, in the moments that he was called upon, he was amazing today. Uh, so defensively, I felt like we were sound. Um, you know, but at the same time, there wasn't very many threats. There wasn't very many opportunities for the defenders to shine. But you know, that in yeah. itself, that in itself, you know, says it all. You know, you mentioned um, David Luiz real quick. Let me not to cut you off. But there no, was a point early in the first half where I saw David Luiz on the far right side near the box, trying to yeah. dribble past players and actually doing that. So that <laughs> right that away. just speaks that just speaks to like. How Spurs, how poorly Spurs were playing. Like they yeah. were sitting there to absorb pressure and couldn't even get David Luiz off the ball on the right side of the box for a counter or whatever the case may be. And mm-hmm. I'm like, see, th- this is a poor sight. Luckily, um, luckily, you know, uh, Lamela scored that goal, but that was about all the luck. That, I mean, you call it skill, but that was about all that we had there. Because, uh, like you mentioned, there wasn't many threats. Uh, one shot um, in the entire first half from Spurs, and that was the goal. Um, but overall in the game, six shots with three on target. Um, possession, we don't even going to talk about that. It was 47-53. Um, Arsenal with 13 shots, three on target, two goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, it, I mean, it, it, like you mentioned, there was, wasn't many threats from Spurs attack men. Whether or not Sun went down with the injury, I mean, it didn't make a difference. Um, I think, yeah, in my I mean, opinion... You guys, you guys came alive, man. I mean, not to say that Sun couldn't change the game, but as soon as Lamela came on, the game changed, man. He, 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 bro, that was like, I personally, I, I thought he should have started. I, I mentioned that to you prior to the game, but, but he, bro, some went I agree. down. I agree. hundred percent. I agree. came on and, and changed the game. So, you know. And I think it was the mentality, it was the mentality thing. He, he came in to try to make a difference. And Lamela is one who's, who's going to run at players. And Lucas is another one who does that, you know, sometimes to, you know, to his own defect or own damage. Mm-hmm. But Lucas is another player who does that, and those are the two guys that had that had the game. Gareth Bell came off in the, around the 60th minute, maybe not even that late. And if you just saw his face, you could just tell he seemed like he didn't want to be there. He wanted to go golf today. Didn't um, even break a sweat. Yeah, it looked like he didn't even break a sweat. Oh, gorilla face. Um, but yeah, no, no, no attack. And then on Spurs' defensive side, the second goal for Arsenal. Um, <laughs> Let Mourinho tell it. He said the only thing worse than Spurs' first half performance was the penalty there. Uh, in my opinion, I, I, I very much disagree. I think if you saw it, um, well, one for one thing, that was a laser of a ball from I think it was Bukayo Saka. Was that Thomas? I think it was Bukayo Saka. Nicholas Pepe. Was that Pepe, Pepe with the ball? No. Yeah, he just came off the bench actually for Saka. Saka went off at halftime injured, but it would have been Saka in that position. But it was Nicholas Blood Clot. Pepe, Pepino, absolute my, my la- laser, laser of a ball there, and split even, defense, split even before, literally, even Be- even before, even, well, even before that, if you look at Davinson Sanchez in that frame before that, he just, he just, he's not even ball watching. I don't know what he was doing. He he pulled up so fast, maybe to try to intercept the ball or something. I don't know. Yeah. But he pulled up way out of the box, and Pepe looked up, and he's got come on, like he has a left foot, and mm-hmm. he drilled that pass into Lacazette. So Sanchez is forced to track back, and. <laughs> Sanchez is like, I mean, in reality, I guess he did what he had to do. But when the way it turned out, Lacazette whiffs the shot and Sanchez hits sticks him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is like the two time feet. With, it looked so much worse. Yeah, it looked so much worse. That was a w, that was off the ropes WWF move. And I'm like, you ain't got to do that, fam. And I, I mean, and he was over here, fingers up. No, what are you talking about? And yeah. from the first camera angle, I thought he got the ball. I thought, I thought he was the reason. Why the, the shot ultimately whiffed, and yeah. then they did the replay from the angle where you where you, you're looking directly at them. I just see Davison Sanchez two feet, like in the Boondocks when uh Stinkmeter was in Tom uh, Dubois' body and he did the, the double chest kick. I'm like, fam, why you drop kicking niggas? Bro? Like, what did you off. say? Right. Literally, literally, you know. <laughs> so I mean that kind of speaks to how Spurs play defensively. Hugo Lloris, who you've been talking mad shit about all season, and I've been defending to the core, even though he's been making mistakes. He couldn't pass the ball out the back. Uh, he, he he would just send it out and hope for the best. And there was moment at the beginning of the game. I, maybe this caused the second. Um, no, it didn't actually. I think the second time Arsenal hit the post was uh, a run from the left, cut in, and boom. But anyways, Loris was Loris wasn't there. You speak of defense, uh, you know how I feel about Mac Darty. Regulon let me down truthfully, but um, Spurs defense didn't come to play, and Ar- Arsenal's defense did come to play. 
not that Spurs were attacking them. But the game, all in all, Arsenal's midfield and defense, they wanted to win. They wanted to, and they came to play. They played literally, like you mentioned, the 10, most of those guys there played a 10 out of 10 game. And aside from the fact that some of those shots at the post, the scoreline does not reflect the true, like the game in one of those. And it, should, it should have been 4-1 Arsenal. And I hate saying that shit, but it was Ashman in the true sense of the word. Yeah. So I don't know. But I mean, like, you know, a million, um, there's, there's, we sh- our performance didn't necessarily match the scoreline, but today it worked out in our favor, like you said, for a number of reasons. Um, but uh, in regards to, like, defensively, or more importantly, Hugo Lloris, after the game, uh, they interviewed Lacazette, and they asked him, how did you feel stepping up to the penalty? And he said, I was a bit nervous, because uh, back in the day, I kicked a lot of penalties with Hugo Lloris. But he, he said something along the lines of, you got to be confident when you step up to take a penalty, and that's what I did. But I'm going to be real. What I, what, like, despite, you know, uh, the praise from LV, which I love, you know, you don't hear it too often. Uh, uh, I'll be real. Yeah, the, la- the, the last, the last, you know, from the sending off until the final whistle blew were the most nerve-wracking 15 or so minutes. It was like we went down a man. Everybody just, like, happened to forget how to play, like, uh, you know, out of nowhere. It was, like, super nervy. But like, all in all, you know, um, the mandem did what they had to do and they got the result today. Um, and uh, I don't know, man. One, I, I, I could talk for days about a North London Derby one, yeah. Well, it was a tale of two halves. I mean, uh, Arsenal came from behind first and foremost, got their goals, and showed that they were an attacking threat early on in the game. And then when it came down to buckle down, even though we, were, we had 10 men, they defended and they made them that late clearance from Gabriel like those things that you need to, in order to, you know, to seal out the three points. They came and did that, and yeah, it was like they never wanted it until it was too late. Which is this? Which is the saddest thing to say? But man, listen, bro. Speaking of that uh, goal line clearance, uh, I'll be real with you, Ronnie and um, and Spence. Uh, I thought it was going to be a classic North London Derby day for Harry Kane. A celebration, him jumping in the air and doing that bullshit judo chop. Ah, point ten man Spurs. <laughs> the point. I, when, when he stepped up. No, not even that. When when the first foul happened and they chip and they were gonna chip it to the back post, I had flashbacks, man. I've seen I've seen that looping header go in from Harry Kane uh, one too many times for my liking. And then we gave another dumb foul on the edge of the box by Granite Xhaka, and I thought, oh, here it is, written in the stars. Xhaka having a great game has a poor tackle in the last few minutes. Harry Kane steps up, and when it came off the post, right, uh, my heart sank. And then I all I see is. Uh, I think it was San- uh, no, was it Sanchez? It was Davidson Sanchez running onto a ball all by himself in the box, and I thought the worst. And then that golden cranium, uh, Gabriel Morales, I, bro, he is a god. <laughs> he is a godsend. He saved us um, uh, against Olympiacos with that looping header. Saved us today with his golden noggin, um, and he's been doing it for most of the season, man. And 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 really and truly, uh, the best twenty million spent. <sighs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, there you have it. Uh... So uh, in, in the bigger picture of things, because um, we know that Jose Mourinho as a person, as a character, as a manager, we, we've seen him in press conferences, we've seen him, and he just kind of like plays these mind games and he says things that mean something or don't mean something. And he, you know, he speaks very methodically. And so I've been trying to just figure out what he's trying to say here. And it looked like in regards to our defense and the, peop- and the way he starts them and in our poorest run of form in the second half of the season, who he continued to play in. And for example, playing the darties and things of that nature, aside from the fact that Aria may not have been fit, but in a derby, in my opinion, in a big game like this, where the three points were necessary, were needed if Spurs wanted to chase the top four hopes, where, um, you know, being that United beat West Ham today was prime position for Spurs to take a leap in the table, which we've been doing. Um, you know, if Aria was fit in any way, I would have played him. But what I'm trying to say is the point that the fact that Mourinho plays these players that he has to know our absolute, like not it, not quality of players that should be playing for maybe lesser Premier League size, Newcastle type guys. But um, I think personally, I think he's trying to make a point. I think he's trying to make a point to the board. Um, and that's bold considering uh, uh, that he's, he believes he's confident that he'll stay another season. But I think he's trying to make a point to the board of like, look, this is what I'm playing with. This is why we should have signed Milan Skriniar in the summer for that extra 60, even though Milan, Inter Milan was taxing. And this is what I've got. This is what I'm dealing with. And you see how it goes. 
Like Mourinho's out here training Eric Dyer and, and Davison Sanchez, like Fabio Cannavaro, John Terry. You know, he's got Doherty playing like he, he, treating him like he's Javier Zanetti out there on the right side. Things, you know, like things like that. So um, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of lo- that makes sense logically because there's no way that we should one be playing the defensive football we played in that game, and then two the the, the, the selection of the team, some choices are, are mind boggling. But um, with that being said. Uh, Arsenal, I hate to say it, uh, Arsenal 2, Spurs 1, uh, both sides uh, win at their respective homes. Spurs uh, now two wins in 36 um, matches at the <laughs> two wins in 36 matches at the Emirates. Uh, a abysmal record. I can't even remember the last time Spurs may have won at the Emirates, but there you have it. That's all sure. What does this mean for the table, really? I mean... Arsenal now, Arsenal started the day seven points behind Spurs, um, now sit four points behind. Uh, Spurs do have a game in hand which they play against Villa this coming week. But what does that mean for the table? What does that mean for Arsenal and does it mean anything, if anything? Uh, I mean, we'd have to have like an amazing, like a, like a superb run of form, um, you know, to, to end the season for it to mean anything. But, um, you know, the kind of game that we all love so much is, uh, you know, it's a game of form, a game of runs, and, and, and something like this could just spark, you know, that, that run needed. Um, we're four points behind you guys. Uh, funny story. I'm not going to get too detailed, but uh, 2000, well, I think it was the 11-12 season, Tottenham came to the Emirates, 10 points clear of us, I think with maybe nine or so games remaining. Re- basically the same scenario. Uh, we, they went up 2-0. Adebayo oh scored. Adebayo scored in his return to the Emirates Stadium, oh, and God. and we went on to score five unanswered. You know, uh, and 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 that season on the final day, we finished above Tottenham by I think a point or two. Tottenham losing to Spence might have to correct me, but Tottenham losing to Newcastle five to two or five to three. Um, uh, and the worst part about it is Newcastle went down a man, and that result basically wrapped up the top four spot for us. So anything is possible when it comes to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, uh, you know, so... so, uh, so history repeating itself. Yeah, so, so you know, to answer your question, does this mean anything for our ta- for the table? Of course it does. Because our goal at the end of the day is to get into Europe. And, uh, and this was the first step in the right direction. Four points back of Spurs, which means we're only five or so behind West Ham. Um, and I think seven or eight behind Chelsea, which is a stretch, you know, top four. But, but you know, uh, you know, get a string of games together, um, and anything's possible. We we started off on the right foot today, and it's uh, fuck off you Spurs for life. It's uh, two one Arsenal. <laughs> listen, listen, two one Arsenal, one o Thomas Partey. Uh, you know, with those two, uh, 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 whatever you want to call them, midfielders or I don't know oh, the guys, I, the, I, I, those guys in the white jerseys. Uh, I was hoping he was going to forget about that. that and no, no. Party I, beef. Oh, I can Here never forget about that. That's going to be, go. that's gonna be this, uh, the beef for the foreseeable future uh, until uh, Tongi and Dumbala can get fit enough to play more than 60 minutes. <laughs> with, that being, with that being said, guys, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump off on a high note, and it's fuck off you Spurs for life. Oh, hey, he's gone. Look at that. Does it again. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> He's two for two when it comes to logging off on on these pod chats. Yeah, I ain't gonna front the last time it didn't hurt so much, but this one really hurts. <laughs> I'm dying right now. But before we get to BS, that beautiful time of the week, Ronnie. Um, on a bright note for you, you went to with a win over Cagliari, uh, and I think the beautiful thing about it was uh, Cristiano Ronaldo holding all the goals he should have scored in the Champions League for those poor for those poor players at Cagliari, busting a hat trick off. Uh, I think in less than what twenty five minutes or something like that. He he did score three goals. Um, he took the Champions League elimination to heart, and Cagliari were like the immediate victims of that. Um, but with that being said, it is that time of the week. It's um, that time. <laughs> it's BS of the week time. Let's go. What you got? You go first because I really don't have much. Um, mine's is, mine sucks personally. So. You go ahead, go first. Uh, I told you guys when I saw this, it was going to be BS of the Week on the spot. The disgruntled Juventus fan says Marco Gurgic of Porto, when he was caught peeking after an apparent foul, you compared the LV to Didier Drogba 
and the time he pulled off that fuck shit. <laughs> a lot of people out in social media compared it to when Sergio Busquets pulled off that same fuck shit. And it's exactly that. Fuck shit. Um, complete BS. If it were up to me, that guy is exiled from footy, just like how he's exiled from Liverpool as he's on loan to Porto. But that's neither here nor there. Also, I do want to continue on this Porto BS of the Week theme. This time, Porto being shown a little bit of disrespect, or a lot of bit of disrespect. Sergio Conceição is the manager for Porto, and he pulled up to the post-match presser. However, when he got there, nobody was in the room. Nobody was on Zoom. He was waiting like, um, okay, so no one's here. Uh, did we go? They kept him there for like two seconds late longer. Like, no, 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 just, just wait. Are you sure? All right, thank you guys. Meanwhile, guys, there's nobody because nobody was there. I thought that was a bit disrespectful. Porto just came off an upset. No one had really had Porto winning. And for no one to, you know, hit up the Porto manager after such a win was uh, a bit disrespectful. I'm definitely think that that's BS of the week. Do you want to give um whatever your BS of the week is? Or do you want me to, you know, share my last one? Because it's three. I mean, actually, you know what? Let me share mine because you can end on a high note because mine's, I mean, <sighs> my BS of the week goes to my very own Spurs manager, Jose Mourinho, who <laughs> who uh, went to the post-match press conference, defiant, straight face mug, said and said and i quote the only thing worse than our first half performance <laughs> was the officiating and the penalty call for michael oliver and paul tierney i'm not gonna front i all i can do is respect this guy's arrogance and the fact it, it, like the fact that he will die on his hill because he ain't he ain't playing fam in my opinion it was clearly a penalty i don't know i might have to look back at it again but Mourinho didn't even, he said straight up. And during the game, after the penalty, they cut to the camera to uh, Jose Mourinho and his uh, assistant, Josh Sacramento, and they're just waving their fingers as if like, nah, there's no way in hell it's a penalty. Now, from his angle, he may have not been able to see it, but from, from the way he spoke at the press conference, he looked like he saw it a couple of times and believes that ain't no way in hell it was a penalty. So big BS of the week to Jose Mourinho, I mean, for a few reasons, but for that specifically, because that quote was wild. <laughs> You mentioned officiating, and that leads me to my last piece of BS of the week. Spencer saw this earlier. There's an official named Dennis Da Silva Ribeiro Serafim. He is. Wow, air horn. Wait, first of all, air horns for that. You just pronounced that incredibly. <laughs> Ribeiro Serafim is an official in Brazil. He was officiating the Copa do Brasil between Boa Vista and Goiás. Bruh, y'all remember when Eric Dyer took a dookie during the League Cup game? Sure enough. This man couldn't hold on to his pee-pee. He pissed himself in the center. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. <laughs> what? He pissed himself in the middle of the park before the match begins, mind you. As if nobody would notice. I, I saw the video. I'm like, <laughs> what are we looking at? <laughs> then I look at it again. Noticed. Yo, he said, as if nobody would notice. Like, he's got this on his shorts. Man, you stank. What are you doing? I look at it again, and I'm like, is is that pee? <laughs> what color were his shorts? I need to know. He had the black shorts on? Black shorts. But you can still see it dripping from the bottom of the shorts. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I, I don't know. You You had time. But you decided to relieve yourself right there. Imagine had Eric Dyer shitted on himself during the play. I don't know who kicked off the match in this Brazilian Cup tie. But imagine they kicked off and they slipped because it was the pee that was right there in the center circle. Like right. you hear the opening whistle, buzz his ass because he slipped on piss. Did this official not know this game was being televised? He thought he could hide that shit. That's, that's the part that's killing me. Um, Dennis Da Silva, Ribeiro, Serafim. Um, if you guys haven't seen the video, it's on the Footy Misfits Instagram at Footy Misfits. And yeah, it leads me to tell you guys if you want to keep in touch with us, 
if you want to find your piece, like LV says, at Footy Misfits is the place to go. Find your piece at Footy Misfits on Instagram. And uh, if you're an Arsenal fan, hey, listen, man, now's the time to get your shots off because I'm right here. <laughs> get them while he's down. Yeah, I see Spencer uh, laughing at my pain at the data desk. Come on, fam. I thought it was just numbers. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I don't know how I made it this far. I don't Ronnie, know how I made it this far either. But Ronnie, please, yeah, please, before, before uh, things go even more left than they have for me today and for you earlier in the week, we we'll go ahead and sign the boys off. For everybody who's, who's listening this week, we appreciate your listens and your contributions to the Footy Misfits podcast. Episode 32, we are, we can't wait to do 33, 34, 35, and all that. For the good brothers, Gully and Spencer at the Data Desk, LV, of course. I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you again next time. Don't forget to fill out your March Madness brackets. Adios, everyone. We'll see you next time. Ooh. <laughs> Fuck Matt Doherty. Ha, ha, ha.